Stones, was it? continue from where I left off and actually reached the end last time. <laughs> this is still introduction to Buddhism kind of a, a, a class and the purpose of it is to really sort of get you, give you an overview of all the, the of Buddhism in general and the different things that that's common 
in, uh, in the different traditions of, of Buddhism. And we were talking about the ten bhumis specifically because it's, it's an idea that is central to one aspect, one part of uh, a Buddhism, which is the Mahayana Buddhism. Okay. And we reached that. We 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 finished finally finished the all. We reached all the bhumis. We reached. Uh, we talked about the tenth bhumi, and we were talking about uh, the result of after the ten bhumis, which is the state of Buddhahood itself. And I remember we were talking about uh, the bodies of the Buddha, the Dhammakaya, the, the, the Sambhogakaya, and the Nimanakaya. And we talked a little bit about the Nimanakaya, the Nimanakaya being the emanation body. Right. Do you remember? Oh, you might just remember. Okay. <laughs> so the express the buddha's uh enlightenment is expressed in in it, it can be expressed in two two expressions the the mental aspect of the buddha and the physical aspect or the form aspect of the buddha the mental aspect of the buddha is sometimes divided further into two this the the nature what is called the nature body and then the dharma dharma body the form part of the Buddha is, is also sometimes further divided into two. The, what is called the Swabhavakaya, or the enjoyment body, and then the Nimanakaya, which is the emanation body. Uh, the the, the is part of the form body, and it is really that form that we... Uh, when you take a, when you see a, an image depicted of the Buddha, of a Buddha, or, or any enlightenment, that's usually the swabhava, the the the, the swabhavakaya. Okay, that is, that that is being, uh, not sorry, the sambhogakaya, that is being uh, depicted. So when you see an image of, uh, like for example, Tara and uh, Yamataka over there, it's it's that's the sambhogakaya form. And that, and that is supposed to be the form that uh, when you reach enlightenment, there's a form that you, that you have, then that, that you will have until your mission as a Buddha is finished. And when is your mission as a Buddha finished? <laughs> well, well, so, well, theoretically the, speaking. Theoretically, when, when everyone, yeah. all sentient beings have Yeah. So until so until every single sentient being throughout existence is liberated and uh, set, I'm not sure if it's if, if I guess when everyone else is become Buddhas, then supposedly uh, that's when the the, the Sambhogakaya is supposed to stop. But what I, what the Buddha is going to be after that's. Uh, no, no one speculates about that. Even I don't think I don't think there's even I don't think there are any speculations. Uh, but as far the speculation goes, is that will there ever be such a time? Will there ever come a time when there will be no longer samsaric existence? Well, where, where there will not be one person, or, or will there, not even one person, well, where there will not be countless people in in samsara. So there's there's a debate con, uh, concerning that. Some say there will c actually come a time where there will be no more samsara. 
where there will be no more uh, beings living uh, who are not enlightened. There will actually come a time where every single being in the in the throughout the throughout the universe, throughout existence, will be fully enlightened Buddhas. And some say there will be there will never be such a time. So for eternity, for as long as well, not just for as long as, but for as long as there are beings, there will always be beings trapped in samsara. There will always be being uh, escaping samsara, but there will always be this samsaric cycle. And that make me think about uh, some of the uh, uh, wh- what do you call that? Uh, there must be some sort of philosophical term for it. Uh, the ideal time in the beginning the, the, w- the, the, that is described in, in the Bible as the fall the stage the state where men fell out of which men fell like they're supposed to be like you're initially you're perfect and then you fall from that perfection and now supposedly uh, a man or humanity is, is, is trying to get back to that state of perfection out of which men fell so th- this idea also exists in uh, some there are some Buddhists who who have this something similar to this, where they, uh, uh, when it comes to the idea of the Buddha nature, like you're already enlightened, and you, and uh, the purpose is to sort of like to uh, remember that you're already enlightened, and of course there are some uh, reasons to to say yes that sounds that sounds really reasonable, and there are some reasons to say well that sounds cups it's it's not re- it's completely uh, goes against logic, also. So it depends on how you look at it. Now the state of and also the uh, the the thing about the Buddha being omniscient, that's the main quality about the Buddha. That is really uh, how is omniscient defined in Mahayana that differentiates from uh, how omniscience is defined in Hinayana. That's really where there is a difference. And that's where the, the, uh, there is such a big difference in, in... Well, that's really where the difference in, in the two traditions really come from. And I think we talked about it a little bit. Uh, as far as the Hinayana is concerned, remember, once you reach enlightenment, and then you've taught the Dharma, and then you no longer have that body, that's it. You're, you're, as far as your your, your career is over. You enter into Parinirvana, and then what exactly what is Parinirvana? No one uh, can dare uh, say anything about it because it's it's beyond any 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 kind of concept that we that we can even dream of. Okay. So there's the and that's where the, uh, you, you probably heard of the unanswered questions. There's this there's this list of uh, I think 13. Is it 13? 14. There's 14 questions that are. The Buddha never supposedly, and I say supposedly because some say the Buddha did answer them. <laughs> supposedly, the Buddha didn't answer. Okay, the, and and the reason for not answering is because whatever answer the Buddha gave, it, it would have it, it wouldn't have really uh, addressed the problem. Okay, so among uh, one of these uh, uh, fourteen unanswered questions is what happens to the Buddha in Parinirvana, after Parinirvana. So there's really, there's no answer to that. So the Mahayana, in a sense, is in a way, is answering that question. What happens to the Buddha after Parinirvana? 
well the Buddha goes to some other world and, and, and does the same thing over again but the Hinayana say that's it uh, there's, 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 n- there's nothing to talk about hmm. and <coughs> some people ask the question uh, especially when you're first coming into Buddhism and, you, and you're being introduced oh by the way there are, there are two main uh, traditions of Buddhism there's uh, the Theravadan which is called uh, by the Mahayana is Hinayana and then, the Hina, then, then there's the Mahayana and when you, when you hear the description of, 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 uh, of the goal of the Mahayana then you say wait a minute uh, why aren't these uh, Hinayanas doing the same thing what is the goal of the Mahayana to reach Buddhahood for the sake of all beings I mean that sounds noble that sounds that's something everybody should be uh, going after so why aren't the Hinayanas wanting to be Buddhas for the sake of all beings yeah because they don't think it's possible if they thought it was possible then of course they would be doing it and that's kind of like in Christianity you're not because you're discouraged from aspiring to be Jesus or God yeah because that would be blasphemous yeah, yeah? But, but then there's parts of the mystic traditions in Christianity where, where it's a lot of that's been dis- those, those traditions have been discouraged over time yeah uh, it, almost it's like Islam also there's the Sufi tradition where the, the goal is to become become God or, or something similar to that and then the other traditions consider Sufism to be not they don't consider it to be true Islam in the same way the tradition uh, and I think that's probably what happened in uh, I always forget that, that place that, that place that, that tradition that was wiped out I mean there were many of them that <laughs> but there's one particular one that, that, that sort of uh, uh, we remember them uh, in France Templars. the Templars so there was some, well yeah. we, supposedly there were a mystical tradition and the idea of Christianity was completely different from the mainstream uh, Christianity and they had this idea probably of, of becoming Christ-like at least if not becoming Christ themselves so th- there is that in, in uh, other uh, the idea of becoming becoming exactly like the founder There's, there is this idea that exists in other, in other religions but, uh, but, but uh, the founder of those religions uh, uh, didn't teach in such a way where it was explicit like okay here's how to become like me but in Buddhism it is explicitly that way the founder of the Buddha was saying he was how to become like me that's, that, that's exactly what Buddhism is how to become like me so according to the Hinayanis how, how to become like me means how to get out of suffering and that's all it is and, and the, the Hinayanis do believe that there is a, a drastic difference between a Buddha and somebody who is in, who is uh, uh, liberated from uh, liberated, they believe that a Buddha uh, is someone who's different. Is somebody who's actually uh, the, the the main distinction that they make about the Buddha is that the Buddha is somebody who brings the Dharma to a place, and not just like you know uh, like uh, uh, some teacher leaves Tibet and goes to uh, comes to the United States or goes to Europe somewhere and then brings a Dharma. That, that, that's not what they mean by being a, by being a Buddha. But there's no Dharma whatsoever or no path to liberation whatsoever on, in that world. 
the being who has the capacity to influence people, to persuade people that there is such a thing, or that, and, and to actually uh, teach that, that's what, that's what the Buddha is. And to be able to do that, there, now there are similarities between the Mahayana and the Hinayana, in the sense that the person who is training to become that is called a Bodhisattva. So there is the idea of the Bodhisattva in the Hinayana system also. So it's not just a Mahayana invention. And the idea of training for, you have to train for lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. It, it, is, it is accepted in both Hinayana and Mahayana. It's just at, at the very end, once you become a Buddha, then, they start, then there's, there's a drastic difference. So when, when you hear, okay, this is what a Buddha is, then, you, then, you, then the, 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 uh, a question should come to your mind, who is explaining it? Who's giving that, who's giving that uh, description? So if it's Mahayana giving a description, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you go, ex- uh, you, cannot, you won't necessarily have that same idea about what a Buddha is from a Hinayanist. Okay. So after we talked about the ten Bhumis and now we're talking about the, the resultant state, so the, uh, the resultant state of Buddhahood that is being described, of course, is from the Mahayana perspective. So the idea of the three bodies, for example, is a Mahayana is a Mahayana thing perspective. Uh, one, one of the one of the bodies or one of uh, uh, it's called body, uh, but it's, we can't really. Um, I guess in, in, in the word the term body in English sort of uh, encompass that. Well, when you think of body, uh, the, that's not necessarily physical, is it? No, not necessarily, right? So I guess the term body sort of fits, like the 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 mental body. Okay, there's the mental body and there's the physical body of the Buddha. Okay, the the Hinayanas will will agree with a lot of the aspects concerning the mental body of the Buddha, the fact that the Buddha is omniscient, the fact the fact the all the fact that the Buddha's mind is completely free of all ignorance, completely free of all stains, they will agree with that. But the part about the Buddha's mind. Uh, sort of going out and engaging, continuing to engage uh, sentient beings that they don't agree with. So now we have to go uh, back, let me go back again to that question. The first time you sort of introduced to Buddhism and you hear there's Hinayana, Mahayana, and then, especially coming from a, 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 a Christian influence uh, a background, and you hear that the Mahayana or the, uh, the purpose of a Mahayana is. To, they were trying to become a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings. Then, you, then you, the question comes to your mind: Why aren't? Why? Uh, why is? Why is there even a Hinayana? Why is it that? Why? Uh, I mean, it kind of sounds kind of selfish not to want to become a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings when it is what it, when it is in Buddhism. Okay. So, when you're trying to uh, question the Hinayanas, why aren't they aspiring to that? For one thing, yes, I mentioned that they do agree that. There is a drastic difference between a Buddha and somebody who has reached in, uh, liberation. But once that Bodhisattva becomes a Buddha and then uh, uh, teaches the Dharma to that world, that person who became the, becomes the Buddha after that 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 body physical body. You know, uh, it gives the appearance of, of, uh, 
of dying and that person enters what is called Parinirvana as, as far as the, Mahayana, the Hinayanis is concerned that person cannot be talked about anymore that person has entered an inconceivable state and exactly what goes on in that inconceivable state well it is what it is described it is inconceivable <laughs> okay and, as, and if, if, you want, if you want to say something about it, is the Buddha is just, in, just enjoying perfect peace. And that's it. So, and, and I think I gave you an example of two brothers or two friends, two very close friends who sort of entered the path. One entered the... And they're both in the Hinayana path. Okay. One decides to become a Buddha so in the Hinana, you can make the decision to become a Buddha. Okay. It's not only uh, in the Mahayana you can make that decision. Okay. So they are both in the Hinana tradition. So they both have the same uh, 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 final idea of what a Buddha is. And one decides to not become a Buddha. Okay. So they enter the path. They have the same. Let's say they have the same capacity. And towards uh, they reach a, they reach both reach a certain point where they let's say just for the sake of you know talk about talking about it in the very next day if they continue they they can reach nirvana they can reach that state where they are uh, no longer subject to rebirth okay so at that moment you can say uh, the one who wants to become a Buddha delays according to the, to the uh, and you hear that term a lot in, uh, even in Mahayana the, the, that the Bodhisattva is the one who delays entering into Nirvana okay, and what does that mean okay, here's, here's one explanation according to the uh, both Mahayana and Hinayana have sort of like the same basic understanding of it what does it mean to delay entry into Nirvana w- the, the Nirvana that they're talking about is, the, is the, uh, to enter Nirvana as a final Final, uh, final goal, a final place to be. Okay, so the one who who who, uh, who entered the path saying, "I want to become a Buddha." So when when they, when they both when when he reached that that point where in the next day he's going to become Nirvana, he, uh, reach Nirvana, he, he he delays that. He delays that entry. And the one. Who, who didn't make that decision to become a Buddha enters Nirvana. And the reason for delaying uh, uh, Nirvana is that once you've entered Nirvana, that's that's a final. It's, it's like a final decision. You cannot you cannot uh, you cannot uh, you cannot change your mind after. You cannot say, oh, I, I, okay, I, I don't want to. I, I change my mind. Can 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 somebody take back this Nirvana? Okay. So and now the the friend is now in nirvana, or the brother is now in nirvana, and the other one has delayed the, delayed entry into nirvana. Okay. And now they both die. Okay. The one who who delayed entry into nirvana now will continue to train themselves, continue to gain the the ability to. Uh, to the, it is considered to be a very powerful act that requires a lot of merit to be able to bring the Dharma to a world where there was where there was no, no world before and where there was no Dharma before. 
So that one who delayed entry into Nirvana is gathering the merit, gathering the potential, gathering the ability to be able to do just that. And the one who, uh, in the, now it's, it's the next life, the one who, the brother is now enjoying Nirvana. Okay, he's in, in perfect peace, no longer subject to rebirth, and is in an inconceivable state. Okay. So, three countless eons later, after now finally the, 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 the one who was the brother, after many countless lifetimes, finally has gathered enough merit to be able to enter into Nirvana and, and, then t- and be able to teach Dharma in a world, be able to make this entry into Nirvana in a world where there was no Dharma and then teach the Dharma to that world. Now that, now that person finally has, that, has that, uh, that, that merit or that potential. When that person, when that brother enters that nirvana in that state, becomes the Buddha and then teaches the world, and then after teaching the world and then the person dies, the same nirvana three countless earlier that the brother entered is the same nirvana that this brother three countless eons later enters into. According to Hinayana, that's, that's the exact nirvana. There's no difference in, in the nirvana. And then the career of the brother who wanted to, uh, wanted to become a Buddha to teach uh, uh, the Dharma to a world where there was no, where there was no Dharma, the, the career that he was training for was just for that life. And before, before that life, when he, manif- when he enters nirvana, when he manifests uh, 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 achieving uh, enlightenment, before that he was, he, was, he was called a bodhisattva. And he was doing those incredible things that you hear about in Mahayana. And those incredible things was those, those things that will help him get the merit. You know, uh, being very selfless, giving, selfless, practicing the paramitas. And uh, in the in the Hinana tradition or the Theravadan tradition, they have uh, the they include some some other things in in the paramitas in the perfections. But but when you look at it in essence, it's really all the same thing. It's uh, patience, giving, you know, wisdom, concentration, and all those things. So that brother was perfecting all those things in order to be able to do that one life uh, that, that thing, that one life okay. now w- w- uh, uh, the Mahayana uh, agrees with most of it that you know takes three countless eons takes a lot of merit to become a Buddha but where, where the differ is that now once the, that person in finally makes the decision or, or has the capacity to, to become a Buddha and uh, uh, makes and uh, achieve that Buddhahood, then that person has also th- the form body. It's not just you enter in nirvana; it's a mental state, and then you're able to have peace for the for, for the rest of existence or for the rest of for eternity. But you also have a body that the form body that continues to ip- appear in the world and then continue t- continue to do the same thing in that life in what uh, the Hinayanists or the Theravadans say happens only in one life the Mahayana says that one event continues forever 
where they continue to have that one life forever, for, uh, that is for as long as there is samsara. So that's the, the main difference between those two. So you can sort of understand why uh, within the Theravadan tradition, the idea of becoming a Buddha, they don't see it as they don't they don't see it as uh, as extraordinary. They don't see much of a difference as far as the final, the final goal. Because for them, the the real final goal is is the nirvana, that which is, which is the same. There's no difference between the nirvana of the brother, and there's no uh, with the nirvana of the 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 one who reached it three countless eons later. Okay. So that's uh, the Buddhahood within the Hinana, somewhat. And now with uh, with the uh, Mahayana tradition, you have the, the the two expressions of the Buddha: the mental p- uh, expression, the the physical expression. And the physical expression, the one that stays in uh, in the heaven. Now, here is another thing that also, uh, which is completely Mahayana, the heaven of a Buddha. In the Theravadan tradition, th- there is no such thing as the heaven of a Buddha. Or, or, or what is called a, a pure land or Buddha land. There is no such thing in, in Hinayana, in Theravada. Okay. And exactly what is uh, a pure land, and there, is, there are some uh, different ideas. Like this, this world, for example, because a Buddha taught here, it is considered to be a Buddha land. And it is the Buddha land of Shakyamuni. But when you hear the term Buddha land, you really think of a, of a, a, of a, of a, some sort of a utopia where there are all the citizens are perfect bodhisattvas, and every citizen has only one one career, <laughs> one career in mind to become a Buddha themselves. So everything they are doing is is to m- help them get in, uh, Buddha, and everything in that land. Everything, every act, everything in that land is, is supportive of helping that every every citizen to become a Buddha one day. So that's what uh, uh, that's the two ideas of what a pure land is supposed to be. And you hear about the uh, uh, there is one Buddhist tradition called Pure Land Buddhism. You've, you've heard about it, and uh, it it's, uh, it 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 was uh, came out of China, and it's really. Uh, it's not just trying to get to any pure land. It's really trying to get to one specific pure land, and which is the pure land of Amitabha. And that's because there is a sutra where, where supposedly uh, Buddha Amitabha, before he became a Buddha, made this had this vow, made this made this vow. I vow that uh, because of what I've done. Anyone, I mean, I'm sort of paraphrasing here, <laughs> because of what I've done. When I reach, when I reach my Buddhahood, in part of the con- part of the condition of, of of that is when anyone recites my name, then they they should be able to be reborn in my in, in my in my Buddha land, in my pure land. So that's why in the in the in the pure land. Tradition, all their practices mainly reciting Amitabha's name. 
that's, that's mainly what, what the practice is. Of course, there's there are other things uh, connected with it that you have to do, but but that's the the, the focus. So that's one aspect, one idea of the pure land. And in, in the pure land, it is considered to be there are five uh, in the defin- defining what is a, what is an enjoyment body. There are five uh, certainties. As a matter of fact, the the, the Sambhogakaya is is defined as that which possesses the, the five certainties. And what are these five certainties? You know. <laughs> uh, certainty of 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 uh, body, certainty of place, certainty of time, effort, certainty of effort. No, I don't, I don't think it's called effort. What are you calling effort? Well, <laughs> just throwing that out there. When <laughs> Well, the first certainty, certainty of body. You have a certain body in that sambo, in that in that in that in that, in that land, in that Buddha land, and and that will be like the, the, the no. Whenever you refer, we're thinking of Yamantaka, that would be one image of Yamantaka. Whenever we think of Green Tower, that's that's the the Green Tower image. So you that's you you have one certain body, and then there are certain things about that body. That body will have uh, uh, will never will never show show signs of deterioration. It will never get sick. It will never get tired. It will never get ugly. It it remains that way. Uh, is that like ugly or what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, do I just blaspheme? Oh, it's a good thing. There's no such thing in Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it will never deteriorate. No, it's really when you think about it, it's it's what you would like with this body. So in a sense, you really get it, and it's uh, and when you really get it, that's the sambhogakaya. So you would like this body to be handsome and beautiful all the time. You would like this body to be uh, never get never a- never age never. G- lose its faculties. You would like this body to never get tired. You would like this body to never get sick. So, so that's the Sambhoga, that's, that's the certainty about the Sambhogakaya. It never ages. It will not die. It will not get sick. And the environment. That body is always manifest in a, in, in a pure environment. Now, uh, for the sake of, of uh, of relating to uh, to our concepts of environment, those environments are usually described. When they say pure, they really describe you know, the same things that, that we see here. The trees, they have almost as if the trees there. Uh, if if there are trees there, the trees are always perfect. They always if they if they give fruit, they always give perfect fruit. And uh, if there's grass there, the grass never needs watering, and it's always perfectly perfect blue or perfect green or something like that and it's, it's that place it's between 60 degrees and 70 <laughs> it's never too hot never too cold <laughs> okay so the environment is always uh, always that and the citizens there are always bodhisattvas 
only and uh, not just uh, 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 any bodhisattva, the or the Arya bodhisattvas. Okay. Now th- there are two things ab- about that: being able to see a Sambhogakaya and then living in the in in the same world as the Bhogakaya, Sambhogakaya. Uh, only advanced bodhisattvas, bodhisattvas who are who are, uh, who are on the pure bumis, get to be citizens of a, of a, of a, of a pure land. But other bodhisattvas were not yet in the pure pure grounds. Remember, what are the pure grounds? What are the pure bumis? I said eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. So only bodhisattvas were on bumi one. I mean, bumi eight, nine, and ten get to be citizens of of, of a pure land. Bodhisattvas be below that, from one to seven, they are able to see sambhogakayas. But they're not. I guess they can visit. You know. Remember when when he said one of the powers of a of a, of a bodhisattva once from from the first bumi to the no an up up is that being able to directly see a Buddha. So when you directly see a Buddha, what what they are directly seeing is a sambhogakaya. That's what they're referring to. And how many can you see at, in, at one moment or something like that? You no, know, that depends on which bumi you're in. Okay. So so there is that. Only only only. Uh, first level bodhisattvas and up can actually see a sambhogakaya. Now, what about people who who say they see Buddhas? Who are not? Two things can be said about them: they are either first bumi bodhisattvas or up, or or what? Or they didn't really see a sambhogakaya. What did they see? I mean, you probably have dreamed about a, 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 a Buddha. Have you dreamed about a Buddha yesterday? Did you dream about the Dalai Lama? The Dalai Lama, okay. Well, the Dalai Lama is, an, uh, is it's not a Sambhogakaya. It's a Nimanakaya. But, um, I, I mean, you could just have formed an image in your mind, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be that you hmm? travel to where Buddha So, if you, s- you know, look at that image of, of Gintai and you're able to recreate that image in your mind, are you seeing a, a Sambhogakaya? That's a good question. Well, isn't it um, kind of the Nirmanakaya, the denomination? I mean, it's, you might think you're seeing a Buddha, and it might be in the form that you think is a Buddha form, a representative of that, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's an emanation. Mm-hmm. So, those who are not yet uh, first Bhumi Bodhisattvas can see an aspect of the Buddha, which is the Nimanakaya. Okay. And the Nimanakaya can take the form of the Sambhogakaya. Can appear like, for example, I mean, if if you were to if you were uh, tonight you became a, a first Bhumi Bodhisattva, you can go visit Tara in her pure land, and you will probably see something like that, maybe. Or something that is that reminds you of. That's what they were trying to paint. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and that's one way. Or you can w- be even before you become a first bumi uh, uh, bodhisattva tonight, if you if you don't reach that, you can have the visitation by a being who looks exactly like that. Okay, but I guess depending on 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 your on your spiritual uh, status. What you're perceiving 
If you're not a first Bumi Bodhisattva, it's called a Nimanakaya, what you're seeing. If you're one of those, then if you... And, you actually, and it is said also that the Sambhavakaya doesn't leave. That's probably why. It just stays where it, it is. Whatever, whatever, whatever is, is, is sent from uh, whatever you see outside of that is an emanation. Where are, are they? The physical location of the space? Well, that's you said they don't leave. They don't leave where? They don't leave. They don't leave their their, their pure land. Wherever that is. Well, you do read it in the uh, in the. In the sutras, so it's above the jambu. <laughs> above the jambu continent, a thousand, uh, a, a thousand lojanas, <laughs> or as many lojanas as there uh, uh, sand in the river Ganges <laughs> to the east. <laughs> That's where you know it, it sort of gets uh, uh, confused, confusing, trying to pinpoint exactly what a Buddha land is. Is it uh, is it any world like this world where a Buddha has manifested, has taught, or is it some specific land that the Buddha creates out of his own, you know, creates by himself, and then he and then he sets up things there, and then people beings are able to come and, and live there, like you know you. you I don't know, like a what's that country now? It's creating islands. Dubai, Dubai. Dubai, like Dubai, you know, they create an island and then people can come and live there. Is that, you know, the person who made that island is like the you know, the Buddha or something. You create islands in in, in the universe. That's your Buddha hand. Mm. And uh, sort of reflective of that idea of the Buddha I mean it is said that you, the Buddha creates the Buddha land mm. and they create the Buddha land uh, by you know to the merit that they accumulate and and you will read in sutras uh, like such and such Bodhisattva saying in my Buddha land there will be this in my Buddha land there will not be that and even to the point where they say in my Buddha land there will only be the three uh and which is confuses things further. There will not be the, the low, there will not be the, the hell realms. Uh, yeah. In my Buddha land, there will only there will not be animals. There will not be any beings below uh, uh, below humans. And then you hear that in the Sambhavakaya there are five certainties, and one of the certainties is that all the citizens are only first Bumi Bodhisattvas enough. I mean, they they pure land, they pure Bumi Bodhisattvas. Yeah, some sort of contradiction. So, exactly what is a Buddha land? Maybe, maybe it's re- it, it refers to it's a generic term for for all those different things. There is a land that you create when you're a Buddha that is called a Buddha land, and the world where a Buddha appears is, is called a Buddha land. Because you you also read in the in the sutras where Bodhisattvas come to visit Buddha Shakyamuni here. And they're shocked. They're shocked by, by the world. <laughs> Why are you manifesting Buddhahood here? In this in this in this world where not every uh, I'll throw this in there. Uh, one of the one of the extraordinary qualities about Shakyamuni Buddha 
is that he, he turned the wheel of Dharma or taught Dharma to our world and in the, in the, in the cosmic scheme of things or in the, what would you call that? It's just, uh, what do you call that? Uh, it's just not, it, it's not, you don't do things like that. <laughs> as far as the, in the, the, the uh, what do you call that? In the, in the protocol, in the protocol, in the protocol of, of Buddhas, you, you manifest Buddhahood only in a planet where everyone has the potential to pick up the Dharma. Yeah, not just a few of them. So, the, so, so the so Buddha Shakyamuni was sort of out of protocol when he came when he when he taught uh, Buddha when he taught uh, Buddha, uh, the Dharma here, because you know only a few thousand while he was here, and now it is said. Interestingly enough, uh, I heard uh, yesterday someone said that uh, according to demographics, Buddhism is the second largest uh, religion in the United States? Oh, I don't know. I really don't. That could be. Yeah. I'm just thinking I agree with the fastest growing. Wow. Uh. But, if, I mean, if you take all the denominations that are Buddhist, Buddhism that, yeah. that exists, dropping up that into just one, yeah. it comes after Christianity, yeah. I heard. And, and you hear Islam is, is the fastest growing is the fastest growing as far as global is, is con- maybe it's just here in the United States but as far as global is concerned but uh, here in the United States uh, someone told me that yesterday that Buddhism is, is now is the, is the second, is second so even though we have this phenomenon of one country where no, we have countries where the majority, like in, uh, in Burma, in uh, Thailand, where the majority of the citizens there, the majority are Buddhists. But these are like, you know, a, like a few countries you can count in, the, in one hand, maybe, right? But that's 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 a, that's a just that protocol <laughs> to go teach to bring the Dharma to a to a planet where only a few handful of countries will pick it up. You're supposed to bring Dharma to a place where everybody has the potential to, to understand it and pick it up. So when the Bodhisattvas came to visit uh, Buddha Shakyamuni, they were shocked that the Buddha was teaching Dharma to, in this planet. And they, they, they call this world the, the, the Saha world. Uh, uh, you heard that term before? Saha world. Desire. Yeah. Oh, no, it means afflicted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Painful, miserable, wretched. That's the name of the of the Buddha land of Shakyamuni, Saha. And of course, here there, there are all the all the six realms are here, the hell realms and so forth. Okay, and a, and a few uh, practitioners who are uh, achieving uh, liberation. So, exactly what is a Buddha land? I don't think there's one text that really explains it, because you hear all those different things, and they're all and they're all coming from from the sutra. This land is called a Buddha land. It's called Sakyamuni's Buddha's Sakyamuni Buddha's Buddha land. Oh yeah, our planet Earth. 
and then you hear uh, like uh, Sukhavati, for example, is a Buddha land, and in there, that's where everybody, that's the kind of Buddha that you, you, you think of. Every citizen is Buddha, I mean, he's a high Bodhisattva, everyone is seeking Sukhavati. Oh yeah, uh, another certainty is that only Mahayana is taught in a Buddha land. And <laughs> only Mahayana is taught, uh, only Bodhisattvas or citizens, the body of the person there is, uh, is will, will remain there forever without de deteriorating. That's three certainties I mentioned. And the, the land is, is pure. Uh, there's another certainty I didn't mention. Oh yeah, it, w it will, that, that Buddha land will remain until samsara ends. So the earth will, 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 will you know, one day uh, come to an end, but that Buddha land will remain. As long as there's samsara, that Buddha land will remain. Of course, there are different ways of interpreting them, different ways of understanding just those words, Buddha land, staying forever. There are different ways you can interpret them in your own way to make it make, make sense to you. And, and the most important thing is uh, understanding what is the purpose of teaching that if it is just allegorical or if there is such, if such a thing exists, what would the, pur what would the purpose of such a thing exist? What, what would be the purpose of the existence of such a thing? That's what you have to consider. And, and that, that, that would be more truth to, to than, than is this world a Buddha land because Buddha Shakyamuni thought there, it is said it is a Buddha land, it is called the Saha world. Bodhisattvas can visit him. And there, were, and there was even uh, one incident when, uh, I forgot, was it Ananda? It must have been, maybe I've been Ananda, was complaining to, to the Buddha. Uh, <laughs> this is your Buddha land. I mean, with, with all, I mean, especially if you are living in, if you are in India, <laughs> and 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 uh, you're being told this is a Buddha land. So, I mean, this heap of garbage over there. There's stench on, on on the left, and and uh, it wasn't so much like that two thousand years ago. Was it? Uh, it was always like that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. Uh, it the places that were clean moved, <laughs> but uh, as far as history is concerned, uh, as far as there's been civilization in India, it's always been exactly as it is. Some places are good, some places are nice. Of course, it were, uh, you had many different kingdoms, you know, fighting each other. One swallows the other. One gets uh, uh, disappears, but you no, know, going back and forth. But still. Beautiful and then extreme ugliness. Always, always, always having that contrast. Mm -hmm. But I think perhaps the 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 the, the question should be uh, more towards having having a civilization that is not like that. That is an uh, uh, anomaly. Yeah, I mean, so I mean sure, sure. show me a place where you don't have that sort of mm. vast contrast. E extreme contrast, stark contrast, hit you in your face kind of contrast. <laughs> uh, everywhere I've been. Yeah. Yeah. So f for for there for there to be a, I mean w we're talking about you know uh, 
while you're here in, in, in Reading, for example. Uh-huh. There isn't a heap of garbage, you know, on, on, in every corner. Right, okay, I, I, was, I was thinking more countrywide. <laughs> So, Ananda uh, was asking the Buddha, you know, how, how can this be your, your Buddha land? Bec- and, that, 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 and you can understand from where that question came from. It came from the understanding that a Buddha appears in a Buddha land. Okay? So, since this is supposed to be your Buddha land, how come I'm seeing all this filth? Because the Buddha land is supposed to be completely pure. And then the Buddha uh, stretches toe and then hit the ground. <laughs> And the, and, the, and the entire place was transformed into the kind of thing that Ananda would be thinking of, would be a Buddha land. And what did he see? I guess he s- you didn't see any filth. He saw, I guess he saw Singapore. <laughs> Everywhere was clean. Every, every building was clean. It was just building. There, was, there weren't any, I guess something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and, and instead of being fined, Instead of having the threat of this fine of being of spitting, citizens just didn't have the thought in their mind of spitting. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and lastly, uh, this brings us to uh, uh, will bring me to thinking about Gen and Trippel. Gen and Trippel uh, you know, wrote uh, uh, one particular. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Yeah. Ornament of, uh, of Nagarjuna. Okay, so in this text, uh, there's one section where he's talking about the Buddha land, and he's saying those images that we have of Buddha lands, they they were only expedient, skillful means to make us have be able to have some idea, but to uh, for us to actually think that's what the actually Buddha land looks like, we are deluding ourselves. And he said the reason that. Uh, the deities are depicted the way they are is because in India that was the, that was the ideal. If it was if if the Buddha had appeared in in China, the the Buddhas would have been wearing imperial garment. And if it was in in Tibet, <laughs> I forget what he said, but it was funny. <laughs> butter tea everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there would have been lakes of butter tea. <laughs> okay. So he said, the, uh, the description that we have is just to give us an idea that it's beautiful over there. And whatever you think is beautiful, they think oh, it's like having the, that kind of stuff all over. All over. But to, to us to actually believe that that's actually what, what is there when we, when we are there, we are deluding ourselves. So maybe that's why the descriptions of, of Buddha lands are so, are so various and so not necessarily uh, uniform. They are an expedient means to tell you. Once you reach the state, it's like for me, I guess it would be like you no know, mango trees everywhere. Only mango trees, <laughs> and the rivers are flowing with uh, chocolate syrup or something. Like that. <laughs> then I would, then I would definitely aspire to get to that. <laughs> yeah, ice cream uh, mountains. <laughs> Then I'll definitely be nice to uh, Jeffrey, because being nice to Jeffrey will get me to be able to get to that Buddha land. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Any questions? 
this is, we don't have to go into this, uh, but there's, <laughs> no, there, there's a limit where the, when people are, are discussing things, when they say that this is completely comprehensible by human beings, or they draw a line and they say there's part of this beyond your comprehension, mm -hmm. that kind of, in some ways, is hiding the ball, or or you know making it beyond you, and and so if as uh, having the topic about Dr. Garba, you know you should be able to understand it all, and so it shouldn't be beyond the human experience, and so that line drawn there that says that you can't do it, and it pops up every once in a while, and it's very fuzzy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that's why I was going to say maybe it's not important, but it, it was just sort of keying off what you said, because you know, some of the things you said, you know, it was kind of like, well, you can see it, and some of the things are, you could never see it, it's ineffable, you mm -hmm. can't say it, you can't express it, mm -hmm. you can't even comprehend it, but then that makes it beyond human being, mm -hmm. and then how can you ever get there? Yeah. So it's, it's just sort of a fuzzy thing, and mm -hmm. it just sort of popped up as if you were... Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, that is that is the central uh, uh, that is the central key point that sort of like uh, really really differentiates the different Mahayana groups. What is what what is that? Is it really, uh, uh, for example, uh, some some Mahayana groups say Buddhahood is completely ineffable. You cannot talk about it. It's beyond human comprehension. Beyond, beyond human... There's, not, there's absolutely nothing you can say about it. Some, some Mayanists say that. And then, of course, the question comes, well, if it's completely beyond human... Uh, uh, beyond humans, how, how, how do humans actually get there? Because it's humans who, have, who are trying to get there, as far as we know. So th there, uh, there is that. And if we want, we can, we can really discuss... Because for me... I really, uh, I, I think, but sometimes when I hear, you know, you, you, you there's, a, here's, here's explanation for something. Here's something, and here's an explanation for it, and you're waiting for an explanation, and you, you get, oh, it's incomprehensible. I find that to be sometimes, uh, beside being frustrating, I think it, oh, that's a cop out. You just don't know what you're talking about. That's why you say, you really just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was politely saying hiding the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is like. Mm. But if it's if if Buddhism is not comprehensible to humans, then you know, at the ninth level, we'll meet, or the eighth level, we'll meet, or at some place, mm. you, the sentient being, must be able to comprehend before they walk through the door. Mm. Well. You know, well, the uh, oh, you said I would, I would yeah, the appreciation of what a Buddha is, you know, gets you know more and more refined, more and more more refined, closer and closer to what a Buddha, what Buddhahood actually is. But to say that the very nature of it is incomprehensibility itself, it's to me it, I get probably because uh, I, I was tired of, of of hearing this when I was in you know in Christianity. Whenever, whenever, whenever a question came 
that w- that didn't wasn't really an answer for oh it's because it's beyond human be- it's beyond human because that's the way God, because that's the way God said it is yes yeah. Yeah. yeah and that was the most frustrating thing for me yeah. and it wasn't just question like you know why is the sky blue and you didn't know that because of this and that and you say oh be- because God made it but you know certain things about uh, certain things that were stated certain stated things and when you're asking for an explanation, you say, oh, it's, the, it's incomprehensible. Well, uh, you know, if you take the positive about logic and illogic, um, you know, logic only exists in this, under certain conditions. You know, there has to be rules. Mm-hmm. There has to be people who understand the rules or beings to understand the rules. And so when you look out the window, Mostly illogical? Yeah. Well, this is, the, I'm, this is, I'm positing it. Okay. This, this, <laughs> this is an answer to that question. Mm. And so, uh, we feel very comfortable living in a logical world. Mm. Uh, just like if you're a Catholic, you know, you feel very comfortable going to a Catholic church. Because mm. everybody around you thinks the same way. Mm. So, um, if you get what you need, your warrant, clothes, and stuff like that, get fed, housing, and friends, using logic,
Well, I, I, that would be an explanation for those when those very terms are used. But some understandings of them is that they're, they're not just out of the realm of, of uh, they don't just say they don't just say it's beyond logic. They just say they're beyond the realm of they're beyond human comprehension. Well, but the comprehension still implies it. Hmm? You know, you can perceive something without comprehending it. Yeah, I mean, because comp- well, we're getting into a little bit semantics, and I'm not skilled enough to you know teach my way out of it. But you know, when they say you know, if you act like a human being, it's beyond your skill. A human being is a logical, is trained to be logical and to look at everything in a logical sense mm-hmm. and to deduce and in, inductively explain everything by logic. Smoke, there has to be fire there. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it can never be anything but that. But that's not true. That's only true, you know, if you hold the, the posits of mm-hmm. the logical mm-hmm. syllogism uh, mm-hmm. and logical Aristotle. Well, it's, uh, it's one way I think about it is is, in ter- is is like a vocabulary. You have a list of vocabulary that, and there is there there's a certain number in in your list of vocabulary. That's things that you know, things that you, c- you can explain, and something that is not in there that is, is just another just another vocabulary. That's not just another another term that is just not in there. Uh, as far as uh, something that is not in that list, and in, and and in, and say it's something that it can never be in the list, I say it can be in the list. It can be explained, and th- that's what I'm, that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm, what I think of when I think of logic, explaining something. And I think there is not a thing that is not explainable. I think everything is explainable. Anything. Buddhahood, the Siddha Buddhahood, can be explained. The, where the Buddha is after he reaches Nirvana, it can be explained. It's just that the terms to use to explain that is not part of, it's not part of our vocabulary yet. And we can acquire them. So it's, and again, further, it's not to, to say that the Siddha Buddhahood itself is itself completely illogical. That is, it goes against logic. It, it, it may not fit within the parameters of what we are uh, using for logic, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, it's something that goes against it. But see, what this does is, in some ways, it sets up an absolute logic. Logic is absolute, and in some ways, there's nothing that's absolute. And so if you can take everything and apply logic to it, then there has to be an, uh, logic Not necessarily. Uh, well, this is, this is, yeah. I'm not saying I'm, this is how Yeah. It would be almost as, as if saying something to be out of the realm of, of, of logic, to, uh, 
to be almost to be saying there can be a point where someone reaches enlightenment by being completely uh, uh, unethical. Um, illogical, in my understanding, get logic. And illogical is when you use logic incorrectly. Yeah. When you don't have logic, that's not illogical. That's something else. That's a different word. So I guess it's what I'm calling it. logic in a logical system mm. is illogical. Mm. Okay. You know, you behave illogical in our system with rules. Mm. But once you remove logic from it, it's not illogical. It just exists in a form that you don't have to, um, those kinds of um, uh, assumptions and things like that. It's not assumption driven. You know, it's not driven in time. Maybe it goes in different directions. Maybe there's no space. Mm. Um, you know, that it just, happens to things that don't fit into our logical world doesn't make it can make it beautiful. It can say like the island thinking it's this way all the time and it has to go like this or chug, 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 chug. And it's just a uh, you know, so it doesn't it's not an I'm trying to abstract the negative connotation. And just because there's no logic that's not in my lexicon okay. the logical right. it just means that it exists in a state that our primitive method of analysis does not give you the colors on the palette to be able to paint the picture mm. of what really exists there because you've limited yourself to red, blue, and green. So, so you're saying there is some sort of analysis that can be applied to it. It's just that the analysis that we have right now cannot be applied to it. Well, I don't even know that analysis is necessary. Mm. You can perceive it. And I'm just, you know, trying mm. to. You can perceive it in a sense that does not need those kinds of uh, things that we accept as a priority mm. ways of analysis or anything, you know, you just step into whatever it is, mm. and you know, if you're, if you can divorce yourself from trying to discriminate, analyze, mm. break it down, project dualities onto it that exist, but it, you know, if someone, if you try to explain that to somebody, they would say you're being illogical, uh, you know, um, it doesn't make any sense, and so you would get to that impact. We continue uh, with that. <laughs> oh, so we have to. Uh, we we had to end a long time ago. <laughs> Is that the real time? Twelve twenty-five. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, eleven twenty-seven. Okay. Okay. Time for Gilad deal. <laughs> we continue with that. I like that conversation. So. care for the English? You don't care, right? Do you? Well, you don't have it, so I guess you don't care for <laughs> it. So, Kewadi. Kewadi. Kewokun. Sunan Yeshe Tzondoshen. Sunan Yeshe Lejongwe. 
Thank you.